Own the Future Vodcast Series with Claudia Lee. Nutanix CIO Series, Selling to the CXO. Episode 1. Hello, welcome to the Own the Future Partner Vodcast Series, where we bring to you industry experts to talk about key issues for our partner community. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Wendy Pfeiffer, our Nutanix CIO. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, Claudia. Thanks for having me. Today, Wendy, we want to kick off a whole conversation with you, right? There's a couple of topics that we think will be very exciting for our partner community that we want to talk about over the course of the next few episodes. Today's episode is what I would call selling to the CXO, and you definitely have a lot of personal experience in this area, right? You have been the CIO and an executive at Nutanix, at GoPro, at Robert Half International, at Yahoo. You're on the board of directors at a number of companies, including Qualys and Girls in Tech. So I think it's safe to say that you get bombarded with a lot of companies trying to sell to you every day. That is totally true. And, um, you know, I've spent a lot of my career avoiding salespeople. (laughs) Um, But I realized that, um, you know, once once I got to really understand um, the job that that salespeople have, um, that that you know, it would be helpful for them to understand how people like me, uh, the, the, the CXOs, actually think and, and, and sort of the ways that we like to be approached and interacted with. Let's start with um, you're an account exec at a company. You've been working um, with uh, your organization for some time. What's the first step to prepare for a meeting with you, the CIO? The first thing to do before you ever have a conversation with me is figure out way in advance who I actually am as the CIO, CXO. And the first thing to know is what does that C in my name, you know, my title, what does that C in the title actually mean? And for certain in a publicly traded company, but also in many or most private companies, The C means that I serve at the will of the board of directors. It doesn't mean I'm the the chief one, the most important one, I'm at the head of the pyramid. It means that uh, I was recruited by the board, I was interviewed by the board, I was hired by the board, my incentive plan is set by the board, and I am fired by the board. And so if you think about that, and you think about what does a board of directors care about. Uh, Board of Directors is there purely for financial reasons. It's to uh, support the requirements of the shareholders. And so often folks mistake me as someone who cares deeply about technology. And although I do care deeply about technology, my incentive plan and keeping my job relates to the financial performance that I bring to the company. And so never forget that. That is my chief motivation. Much like salespeople, um, most C-suite executives have um, sort of a measly base salary and then a lot of potential upside related to our incentive plans. In salespeople's case, it's commissions, but in my case, 
It's related to the financial performance that I provide to the company in measures such as productivity, uh, you know, meeting targets around uh, purchasing uh, CapEx, OpEx, et cetera. Now, um, each of us are incentivized differently. And so this is where understanding that dimension is very important. And so even just that, right, this is just the first part of what you're going to share. Even just that has been very uh, on point, right? And this has never been easier in our in today's time with social media. And you happen to be a pretty prominent speaker and blogger and these are all things that are in the public domain that we can all learn from as we prepare for, you know, who's our audience and how to tailor our message to the audience. Oh, I so agree, Claudia. You know, uh, most of us who are in the C-suite in publicly traded companies, um, you can discover a ton about us through a simple, you know, Google search. All right. So let's talk about the second uh, of the three dimensions that I that I think is very important for salespeople to, to prepare. And this is the business conditions. This is the most important dimension. I, I'm going to overemphasize this one. Um, so remember that my motivation is financial. That is it. Um, I, I pay my mortgage and send my kids to college. If I make my uh, incentive compensation, if not, I don't. Um, that the half-life of, you know, average half-life of CIOs in publicly traded companies in the U.S., is three and a half years, meaning that after three and a half years, we no longer stay at the same company. And, uh, you know, more than half the time, you know, we leave to spend quote unquote time with family, meaning we're let go because we don't meet our financial requirements. And so if, I, if I'm savvy, if I have some background in this, then I'm actively working towards those goals in the same way that salespeople are working towards those goals um, in, in order to sort of keep their jobs. You know, I, I hear in sales, you're only as good as your last quarter. That's absolutely true for C-suite executives as well. All right. So, you know, what are the, the, the financial things that we're measured on? Well, here's the thing. Um, in the vast majority of companies, unless a company uh, physically manufactures a product, in the vast majority of companies, IT people or the IT organization is one of the largest sources of CapEx purchasing. And CapEx is a tool in the financial toolbox of companies. So here's the thing. Um, here's how you can tell what I want to do as regards CapEx purchases and OpEx purchases. If my company has been uniformly profitable over the last four quarters, and we, look, we think this is gonna continue, then I am incentivized to spend CapEx now. I want to buy things like hardware. I want things uh, where I can uh, you know, get a, a large chunk of cash out the door. Um, and then that purchase uh, doesn't hit my actual operating budget all at once, but it creates a depreciation tail an OPEX tail. So thinking, you know, why, why would I want to spend CapEx if the company is uh, uniformly profitable? Um, the reason is because of taxes. Um, so if I can spend that cash on a long-term investment for the company, then I reduce the amount of uh, cash that the company has to pay taxes on. And that's worth good money, right? That goes to EBITDA and so on. Um, so very important um, if the company's profitable. I have CapEx targets. You can guarantee that. 
And I, I will make my incentive compensation if I meet those targets and I won't if I don't. Um, now, if my company has been variably profitable, profitable out of the last, you know, two of the last four quarters, let's say, and we think this variability is going to continue, um, then I, I may in this quarter uh, still have some cash that I need to spend, but I'm interested in a one-time OPEX purchase, maybe a hundred laptop computers, each less costing less than my 5K CapEx limit, for example. So I'm trying to consume available unspent budget um, and only make necessary CapEx purchases. The reason why is I don't actually want to increase my baseline budget by having that, that depreciation tail over time because I don't know if I'm going to have budget capacity to pay for that increase over time with the variable conditions in my company. And so that also translates to a lot of times, you know, when I'll, when I'll say to a vendor, hey, yeah, I don't want to spend that, that uh, you know, that money on CapEx right now. They'll offer me a long-term lease deal. But a long-term lease deal still creates that same operating budget tail that I still have to deal with. And so there's not much difference in this scenario. And then if my company is simply not profitable and we don't expect the company will be for some time, then I am mostly interested in cancelable OPEX purchases. Um, you know, under these conditions, I'll launch new products in AWS or GCP rather than a data center 100% of the time because um, if things go bust, if I uh, don't have cash next month or six months from now or if uh, priorities change, then I can cancel those things and I still have the capacity in my budget to operate. And here is where partners really, really matter. Oftentimes, vendors are far more variable. You know, if I if I need to make a large capex purchase, for example, um, if I purchase directly from a vendor and that vendor does not deliver that capex purchase to my you know loading dock by the end of the quarter, if they have some delivery issues, then I miss my target for that quarter. But um, oftentimes, uh, partners help me to normalize that, and I found that that uh, that channel partners that I work with um, really help us to um, keep these financial targets and have a much deeper and more uh, profound understanding of financially how we operate than say direct vendor salespeople do. And so most of us in the C-suite have you know, a handful of vendor partners who we work closely with who help us as we're managing across the spectrum of business decisions. That's a key point, Wendy. So you're saying that for a partner audience, right, that their goal is to be that right-hand person to their CIO customer and really understand the financial targets that they're trying to meet and meet flexibly, right, because the business conditions are flexible. So that's a key value add for partners that, you know, we need to keep in mind. Absolutely. And and I'll say that, um, you know, partners are more partner salespeople are more closely incentivized, um, you know, like my model of incentive than vendor salespeople. Vendor salespeople tend to be much more short term. Um, but partner salespeople are, are hoping to develop, you know, an end to end relationship with that client. 
And so um, I find that we, we sort of share the same incentives and thought processes. And I tend actually to share more information about my financial run mode with partners than I do with vendor salespeople, because again, we're more closely aligned uh, around our longer term goals. Makes sense. All right. So um, the final dimension of uh, this sort of market segmentation of CXOs is my own limitations. And, and this is kind of a big deal. Um, so there's all kinds of things that could be happening. Um, maybe, you know, I'm a, sort of a, a, an overly um, impacted victim of shadow IT. Another team not controlled by me makes most of the key decisions and my team's just left to implement, secure, maintain. Or, you know, maybe the executive team, um, especially the leaders are, you know, they don't understand or respect what I do. So I've got to really dumb down my major decisions to get their buy-in. You know, they just want like things to be done the way they are always done. And how come it just doesn't work? And yeah, it's true. We didn't invest, but like, you know, you know, so, so we didn't put oil in the car for the last 15 years, you know, it still doesn't make sense why the engine burned up. Um, or maybe they're tech wannabes, you know, they, they dabbled a bit or they used to have a technical background or it's a tech company and they don't have respect for IT, which is more of a, um, an integration of technology and operations, or they think they know more. Maybe they've got a friend who invested in some company and, you know, it's super cool tech. And so, yeah, we know you're using this thing that's working, but, you know, try this other wacky thing. Or maybe my team is not very good. Um, maybe they couldn't code their way out of a paper bag or, you know, they're stuck stuck in the 1990s, but I inherited them or they're all I could afford or, or they're in development. In that case, you cannot give me a solution that requires complex technical implementation by my team because that's a bridge too far for us at this time. Um, maybe as a company, we are poor or we are stingy or we're unfocused or I already spent for legit all my budget and don't have any more or, you know, the, the worst one that's that's hard to discern, um, you know, when you're walking into the situation cold is, you know, maybe I failed publicly at this company. My last project was a disaster. Um, I worked at a company once where um, they had been trying for almost seven years to deploy a Salesforce CRM system um, and they still hadn't done it. Um, they were replacing some internal homegrown system. And, and so the people in charge of that project, they had lost just all leverage, all credibility. If they were to come back and want to you know, buy something again, um, they just didn't have the bandwidth for that. And so sometimes, you know, I'm on a short leash and I'm not going to like tell you that. But knowing that um, helps to figure out, you know, how to how to how to uh, tailor your approach.